If this is your first time to our Wednesday night, we want to say welcome. Thank you for being here. And, and tonight we're going to be continuing in our series talking about my next steps. Now, if you think about it, every single person has a personal relationship with Jesus, right? Do we all understand that? It's not a corporate relationship with Jesus, although we make up the body of Christ. We each have a relationship with Jesus. And that's the greatest news about being in a relationship with the Lord is that it's your personal relationship with him. And being in a personal relationship with Jesus has many benefits to it. Sometimes we can use those benefits for good, and then sometimes we can use it for bad. Let me just uh, uh, give a quick, uh, like a, a test. You tell me if this is using it for good or using it for bad. Okay, your personal relationship with Jesus. He knows what I'm going through, good or bad. It's good. God is my judge, not you, good or bad. <laughs> See, that one is kind of like, okay, is it good, is it bad? It can be both, depends how you use it. Because if someone loves you and you tell them, keep me accountable, and they say, you got to stop doing that, and then you say, you're not the judge over me, Jesus is my judge, then that's not good. You ask them to keep you accountable. So what we're going to talk about tonight is the next step after you receive Jesus called Attending Church Weekly. And that's why we're here tonight. Tonight is a time for us to grow in the Lord. And if you have some notes or if you want to jot down some things, you can do that. Uh, but also we have this card on my next steps. And what we're going to talk about is this personal relationship with Jesus as well as that next step. Because once you say yes to Jesus, oh boy, it's like your, your whole life changes. It's no longer the same. It's like when you go to, uh, from grade to grade. Do any of you guys remember kindergarten? Remember going to kindergarten? Come on, shouldn't be that long for some of you guys. Kindergarten. That was not that too long ago. Not that long ago. So what I remember about kindergarten is uh, sleeping. You could take naps in school. That was, I mean... They, they should switch that around and put that in high school. Like have naps in high school and junior high because that's when we sleep. But when we were in kindergarten, I remember we would need to bring sleeping bags. But we couldn't afford sleeping bags, so they gave us newspaper. So I slept under newspaper. And after a while, I'm like, can I have the comics? So I, at least I could look at pictures. But then I got a sleeping bag. And, and I remember kindergarten where... We could, we could sleep, and then we would have playtime, and then we would go out in the, in the playground and, and, you know, play around, uh, chase master and things like that, and, and do things uh, that, you, you know, you would get scoldings for. And then you would, you would move on to the next step, which is first grade. And then you would get your school box. Remember the school box? You had crayons and pencils and things like that, and you had, had those things. And then there came a time where they had these erasers that smelled really good. You know, and they still have them, but they smelled so good. And then they had the scratch and sniff uh, stickers, like when you're a good boy or good girl, and they'd put that. If you're a bad boy, bad girl, then you don't get nothing. So you just, you don't get anything. And then you'd smell it. And, and my favorite one was grape. That one was super good. And then you went from first grade to second grade, third grade. And then you hit intermediate school. Intermediate school. And intermediate school, for us, the, the greatest thing about intermediate school was P.E. Because it's like you had recess, and then you had P.E., which was like an extended recess. And if you had P.E. after lunch, that was the best. Because you could stay stink all the way through, 
and then you could take shower after. That's junior high boys, right? And then you went into high school, and then you had to be cool. You had to change from eighth grade to ninth grade. And then you, you had uh, different friends. You, had to, you met different people. And then from high school, you graduated and then went into either college or into what we call the real world. And so you go through these different steps. And sometimes if you skip a step, it could mean a couple of things. One, you're just super smart, so you just skip a grade. Or if you are held back, you just were not doing according to what they needed you to do. You could have still been super smart, but you just didn't want to do the work, and so you skipped here and there. Or maybe you didn't graduate, maybe you got your GED, or, or maybe you just felt like this is not for me, and you did other things. It's interesting how in life, we have many steps that we go through. We all go through steps. If you have a house that is on post and pier and you're up a little, you don't just have your doorway and then no steps, and then you have to climb in. You have steps to get there. And so it is with our walk with Jesus Christ. It's almost like, yeah, you go from preschool to kindergarten to, to intermediate school or elementary school to intermediate school and then high school and so forth. That's our walk with Jesus Christ. Now what can happen is we miss a couple steps here and there. We, we kind of bounce around. And, and in the kingdom of God, again, what is so great is it's your personal relationship with Jesus. It's not somebody else's relationship. So your relationship, how you're growing in Christ, may not be like how someone else is growing in Christ. It's their personal walk with Jesus. For instance, in my walk with Christ, I found out I had to get slapped around a little bit in order to come to my senses. Some people, they can just learn something and then they got it and then they walk with the Lord. They're, they're, they're easily teachable. They can learn from the Lord. They can learn in a Bible study. They can learn from someone else. They, are e they can capture things easy. And then you have people like me who have hard head and hard head learn hard way. And sometimes we got to go through the hard way. What this, my next steps, will help with is a linear track on how I'm doing with my walk with God. And it's just a simple way for us to see some steps that we're doing or some steps that we're taking in the Lord. Now, I'm not sure if everyone got this, but if you need one, we have in the back and you can grab one later. But the six steps that helps us with our walk with Jesus, the first is accepting Jesus. It's saying yes to Jesus. It's saying, Lord, I commit my life to you. I give you my heart. And that's what we talked about last week. And then that second step is actually attending church weekly. That I'm saying to the Lord, I want to attend church weekly, which is what we're going to cover tonight. And I'll explain a little bit more. But then after that is a class called Discover New Hope. And it's twofold with that title. It's to discover this new hope that you have given me in Jesus Christ, along with discovering new hope as a church. So on September 26th, at 10 o'clock on a Saturday, it's going to be from 10 to 12, we're going to have our Discover New Hope uh, membership class, actually that's what it is, in our fellowship hall. And we're going to go through our core values. We're going to learn about the vision of our church. We're going to learn about how to read the Bible, how to do devotions. We're going to learn about water baptism and various other things. And you might be thinking, we're going to learn all of that in two hours well, we're going to touch on these things because it takes a lifetime 
That's why it's an, it's an eternal relationship with Christ. It's going to take a lifetime to fully grasp everything that God wants to do in our lives. So what we're doing with Discover New Hope is it's like a launch pad. It'll take you to that next place of your growth with Jesus. And then you, on your own, you're going to learn about the Bible. You're going to get involved in a devotional or Bible study group or a a connecting group. And then you're going to grow that way. And then that next step after Discover New Hope is water baptism. In fact, 34 people got water baptized this past Sunday. And you might be here tonight, so we just want to say congratulations to the 34 people that said yes to water baptism. And we're going to give the certificates out on Sunday and just celebrate with those who are water baptized. And that's a powerful thing that happens because water baptism says, this is my next step with my walk with Jesus. And I'm walking with him step by step. And then after water baptism, you might be thinking, so where do I go after that? The next thing you do is you join a small group. Or we call them connecting groups. A place where you connect with people. In other words, although we call this church... Really, if the building was gone and all of these things were gone, the church still exists because the people are the church. And so when you get into these connecting groups, the church continues to thrive and grow, that you're more accountable. That's where you build relationship. That's where you build accountability. That's where when you're not doing so well, someone calls you, someone checks up on you, someone prays with you. In a setting like this, we don't know everything that's going on with every single person. But if you're in a setting of three or four people, then they know what's happening. If you're meeting weekly or monthly and you don't show up, they will call you. They will say, where were you? Where are you? Or they will text you. Hey, are you on your way? So it it brings a better accountability when you're in a smaller setting. That's what a small group is all about. And then your final step, and it doesn't complete your walk with Jesus, or you don't arrive when you join a ministry, but that would be your next step. It's saying, I want to join a ministry somewhere. I want to I I do something for the Lord. Like the new song we sang tonight, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for rescuing me. Well, why did he rescue us? He didn't just rescue us to put us back in the same place we were. He rescued us because we have a purpose and a mission for living. He has a purpose for every single person. That's what I love when I see you as the servants that in in your service to our king, you're putting your hands to the plow to advance the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is not going to be advanced through a pastor only. It will be advanced through people in the kingdom of God reaching out to other people. It's building up the kingdom of God one relationship at a time. It's reaching people one relationship at a time. It's family members inviting their family members to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. In other words, we all partner together in our attempts to reach our family and friends. That while you're reaching out to your family and friends, the pastors are doing their part. They're studying. They're praying. They're loving on people. They're they're connecting with people. And then when you invite a family member and they come here, then when the pastor preaches the word of God, it's not because the pastor preached the word of God. It's because the spirit of God was moving in every single person's life to bring that one person to know Jesus Christ. You see, we're all important to the kingdom of God. Every single person matters to the big puzzle that God is putting together. Isn't it true that if you put a puzzle together and you don't have that last piece, no sense. 
Like, that's the worst thing that can happen. You spend all that time putting all these pieces together and the dog ate the last one. Or you lost it somewhere outside or the vacuum cleaner took it. Or, or maybe your child thought it was a toy and flew it outside or something. It's like that's the worst thing can happen is that last piece missing. And so we don't want any pieces to be missing. That's why we say join a ministry. Well, I don't have talent. I don't have a gift. Listen. God gives every single person at least one gift, at least one talent, each according to their own ability. I can't, okay, so Glenn plays worship. Now, he has a guitar. Now, I don't know if you can unmute this. Let let me try. I I know Glenn did this the other week. Okay, I'm going to just try this, okay? I'm I'm just playing G and C, so it's not, not, actually, that's not, I don't know what, that's a chord. I don't know what it is. So this is what he did. He did this. And he did some. Then he did this. Oh, this is off. Let me try this. Watch this. Now imagine if I knew how to play. One, two, three. Let me just try something. See, I'm having a hard time. Okay, so I don't have the gift and talent for that. I hope you appreciate that. I I practiced like months for that. I don't even know if this is on correctly. Okay, just put it like this. Other musicians are like, just leave it. So I I don't have the gifts and talents like so-and-so. And you might be thinking, well, I don't have the gifts and talents like so-and-so. But you have a gift and a talent that only you can do. Only you can do what you do. No one else is supposed to do what you do. And you're not supposed to do what someone else does. That's what makes up the body of Christ. That's what makes us so unique to just an organization, a company, a business. That God gave you your gift. He gave it to you. Some of you have a wonderful gift of evangelism. Some of you just, it's just in you to reach out to people. You have a simple, it's easy to you to say, you got to come church. It's simple to you to say, you, you need Jesus. It's simple to you to say that. But for some others, it's very hard. They kind of beat around the bush a little. It's like, hey, so how are you doing? Good, good. What do you do on Sundays? Oh, I work. Oh. I was just wondering. Yeah, 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 yeah. Someone else standing next to you with the gift of evangelism would say, you got to come church. Yeah, but I work on Sunday. What time do you work? I work at 8 where we get on 7 o'clock service. Come as much as you can and then leave early. Just, as, as, just come church. You got to at least hear a little bit. That's what the person with the gift of evangelism will do. But all of us put together will reach the lost. And it's always one relationship at a time. That's how Jesus did it. Jesus loved people one relationship at a time. Oh, he, he could reach the crowds But he took time for individual people. And he was able to take them step by step. Walk with them. That's why we call this our walk with Jesus. It's our journey with him. That's why we're here on Wednesday nights. That's why we come on Sunday mornings. We attend church weekly. Now all of us put together, make up the body of Christ. And the Lord made it that way. He made it so that 
without one another, we wouldn't be able to function very well. And so he calls us the body of Christ. So you might be thinking, well, what are my next steps? Because I accepted Jesus. Well, your next step is attending church weekly. Now, why is it weekly? Well, whenever you want to learn something new, you must continue to do the thing you're trying to learn repetitiously. you you got to continue to do it over and over. That's why they changed the school system. Remember we had three months of summer growing up? It was so long. It was so super good. And the parents were, they weren't even around. That's why they made it shorter. The parents were going nuts. Like, take my kids back to school. Now we're like six weeks summer or sometimes shorter. Now, however it's being done, what was happening is because of the repetitious when you're in school or, or doing things over and over, when you took a three-month break, they were finding out that when we came back to school, we, didn't, we couldn't remember what we learned. And so it's like they had to reteach some of the things that we already learned. So that was kind of the idea behind shortening the summer. But for us, in our walk with Jesus, if we're not doing something continuously over and over, then we'll miss what Jesus was just teaching us. If we meet regularly, then we continue to build our spirit. We continue to build up our spirit with the Lord. And we don't miss out on what he's trying to teach us. See, before we came to Christ, we, we all had a lot of junk. We still do. We're still being saved. We're still coming to know or coming to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. So there's a lot of stuff in us that still have yet to be cleaned out. We still need the Lord. We still need to be cleansed. And so it took, a, it took us a long time to get to the place of accepting Jesus. And I would hope that we all know Jesus Christ. Or we're at least coming to that place of surrendering our life to him. In fact, 19 people said yes to Jesus Christ just this past Wednesday, and then uh, I think 11 more on Sunday morning. So just within this short week, 30 people said yes to Jesus. And all of heaven rejoices, so I think we should too. We should say thank you to Jesus for rescuing 30 people. And what we're seeing is that people are coming to know Christ. New people are coming to church. If you've been at this church for more than five years and you come on a Sunday morning, you see a lot of new people. God is sending us a lot of new people. People are moving here. People are are shuffling around. People are visiting. But God is sending people. And so what God is looking for are saints, people, those that said yes to Jesus, to be the ones that bring these people closer to Jesus Christ. That we all walk people in these next steps closer to the Lord. Attending church weekly is, is not just about what I can get, it's about what I can give. What, what can I give to someone? Can I, can I give them encouragement? Or if I see a new person, and I want to challenge all of us, especially if you've been at this church for a long time. And to me, a long time is a month. That's a long time. If you've been here for more than a month, then this is your home. There's no way possible if you were at your house and someone just walked in that you would just walk right by them. If they opened up your refrigerator, that you would just let them go. Well, sometimes we do because we live in such a wonderful, beautiful place called Hawaii. And so we're all family. But very rarely would you just let someone walk past you in your home. You'd at least ask, hey, who, who are you? <laughs> like, what are you doing in my house? 
you'd at least greet them. You'd at least say something. Well, it's the same thing with our home church. That when you see people on a Wednesday night or Sunday morning, don't pass them by without saying welcome. Just act like you were the pastor of this church. To some degree, okay? Don't, don't you know, just to some degree. Act, in fact, act like Jesus. Just act like Jesus. When someone comes on a Sunday morning, you say, hey, welcome to New Hope. So glad you're here. They might not even acknowledge you. In fact, they don't acknowledge me sometimes. I walk past people. I say, good morning. They just keep walking. Sometimes I'll see a, a bunch of people just walk and I say, hey, good morning, you guys. Welcome. They'll just keep walking. And I'll just go from person to person. I'm not welcoming them for a response. I'm welcoming them because God said so. He said, just welcome the people. Because it's our love for God that's going to communicate our love for people. And so when we see people on Sunday morning, we get to greet them. And so God is sending us people. He's sending us tons of people. Just love on them. You don't know their background. You don't know what they're going through. In fact, we all go through stuff. Imagine what people who don't know Jesus are going through. We have hope. We know Christ. They don't. They're coming to know him. Imagine if they walked into a place like this. First of all, they have no idea where to go. They walk here and they're just looking around. If you see someone looking lost, just ask them. Just greet them. Hey, good morning. You need some help? They prob probably might say, yeah, where do I go? And then you can easily turn into our concierge desk person and say, well, where would you like to go? We have breakfast here this morning that this guy can treat you. Uh, we also have, yeah, just put someone on the spot. Just say, yeah, this guy can treat you. Go grab a pastor like Pastor Charlie. Pastor Charlie will treat you. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Pastor Marsha, she'll buy you breakfast. Just, just throw them on the spot. And then say, or if you don't want to, we have our worship time right here in our sanctuary. If you have children, we have our children's ministry. I guarantee you, those who have been at this church for a while can do a great job at doing that with people. Because you know where everything is. You can probably close your eyes, listen, and know what direction everything is. You're that good because this is your home. You've been attending church weekly, sometimes two times in one week, just like Heidi and I. I remember when we first came to this church and we would attend on a Sunday morning and then they talked about Wednesday night and we thought, Wednesday night? Why are we going to go Wednesday night? We go Sunday morning. And then the Lord spoke to us and said, no, Sunday morning is not for you anymore. I said, well, wait, what? What do you mean Sunday morning is not for me? No, no, Sunday morning is not for you anymore. I said, well, what? Where are you going? Wednesday night. Well, what is Sunday morning for? Sunday morning is for you to invite your family and friends. Well, what am I going to do on Wednesday night? You're going to grow in your relationship with me. You're going to dig deeper into your heart with me. You're going to worship together with the saints. It's not going to be so-called everything lined up for you. You're going to have to bring your Bible. You're going to have to take notes. You're going to have to open your Bible. You're not going to have, like Sunday, your notes. It's going to be different on Wednesday night. You're going to be challenged on Wednesday night. You're going to grow in your relationship with me. And so when Heidi and I first got that idea, we said, you know what, then Sunday mornings are no longer for us. Sunday mornings are for the new people. And so when I invite someone, I sit with them, I make sure I take them around. I'm like the tour guide for that person. I just make sure that they're well taken care of. Now imagine if we all did that for our family, our friends, our co-workers. They'd be amazed. They'd be like, what, you work here? Yeah, yeah, I work here. Well, you get paid. Well, not from here, but I get paid through another source. 
Because if you trace everything, it all goes back to God. And you take ownership. In our day and age, the statistics show that less people are coming to church. Less people. But for our statistics here, more people are coming to church because of you. It's, it's simply amazing. I, 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 I see the trends, but we're different. It's just different. It's something that you're doing. And it's probably what I'm talking about right now. That's what you do. You invite people to church. And you do it in such a way that they don't feel condemned. You don't say, you got to go to church or you go in hell. I mean, if some of you say that, you must have a really good relationship with them. But what you're saying is, you, you got you, you to come check it out. And when they do, God touches their heart in a way that we can never touch. Just God does something to their hearts. And so we've just been seeing more people coming to know the Lord, more people attending our services. In fact, that's part of the reason why we switched our service times. I'm not sure if you were here Sunday, but for years we've been praying and thinking through, how can we continue to build relationship with people? How can we have families sit together and, and, and not feel rushed? And, and how can we uh, serve our volunteers better? And, and how can we make it to where our parking lot gets a good turnaround so when people come to church, they're not saying, there's no parking, I'm leaving. Well, hopefully this will help. Our service times are changing to 7, 9, and 11 come September 6. So we'll have more time in between services and so some of you, maybe you weren't here on Sunday and maybe you didn't hear it, but that's the vision behind it. It's so that we can build relationship with each other, so that we'll more, we have more time between services, so that those that need prayer can get prayer, so that people don't feel rushed, so that those who volunteer can be refreshed for the next service, so our worship team can be with their family and, and be with their loved ones between services before they come back for the next service. What we want to do is do such a good job at serving the Lord that people must come here. That they, they, they got to see what's happening here they, because they're hearing what's happening. They see your lives changed. In fact, I just heard a person saying, my friend was telling me something's wrong with me. I said, well, tell me the story. Well, you know, we would do these things and then they would do certain things and then I would ask them, is that going to cause me to stumble? And they're like, what? Like, who are you? You changed. It's like, no, I just, I don't do that stuff anymore. And they're wondering what's happening to me. I say, you really don't have to tell them what's happening to you. However, you can let them know what you've been doing. That you've been attending church weekly. And that God is doing something in your heart. And that could be it. We, we say it like this. Love people until they ask you why. Just keep loving them. So if this is the only time you're coming to church, which is a Wednesday night, that's great. You're attending church weekly. If you come on Sunday mornings and you attend first service, then really the service times don't affect you. It's still 7 o'clock. If you come at 8.45, then it's going to be at 9. And if you used to come at 10.30 or you come to the third service, it's going to be at 11. And then for those of you who are late, just keep coming when you are. You'll be right on time. Let's open our Bibles to Romans 7. Uh, I'm going to read verses 15 through 25. And Paul the Apostle was speaking to this idea of what happens to my spirit when I come to know Jesus Christ. Because when you come to know Jesus, your spirit man comes alive. That inner spirit comes alive. 
Your flesh has always been alive. But our flesh is waging war against God. Our flesh is waging war against the Spirit. That's the sin nature that we've been born with, passed down from Adam and Eve. So it's in us. That's why we need to be born again. Now in the Spirit. We need to be born again in the Spirit. And so when you get saved, your spirit comes alive, but you still, and we still, have bad habits. We still have a lot of junk. We still have our, 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 the old way of thinking, our old way of speaking, even the language that comes out of our mouth. We were in a, a prayer group, and I kid you not, we're, we're praying, and as we're praying, someone was praying with us. You know how people just say, thank you, Lord, thank you, and was swearing in the prayer. And then as we're praying, these certain swear words were coming out. And you could almost sense people going, oh, wah, wah. Almost wanting to lay hands on that person like, demons out. And so we're, we're, as we're praying, and then someone came up to me and said, how dare that person swear while we're praying. And I said, you got to understand, that person just got saved. So they still have a lot of junk that's going to come out. We as believers, we got to be able to take those hits. We got to be able to take those hits. You watch after a while when you start cleaning up and you start getting out that junk, you go to parties, they're going to hide the beer from you. Remember, you used to hide that from the pastor when they would show up at some place. They'd be, hey, pastor, how you doing? Hey, hey, good, good, yeah, yeah, yeah. Take this on the side. Hey, cool, hold on, hold on, hold on. Yeah, good to see you. Good. It's like something changes. When you get saved, your spirit comes alive, but you still have your flesh attached to you. So it's going to take time to get that stuff out. And that's what Paul was talking about in Romans chapter 7. And I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. And so Paul says this. He says, I don't really understand myself. For I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know that what I am doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good. So I am not the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. And I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. I think we all can relate to this already. But if I want, but if I do what I don't want to do, I am not really the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. I have discovered this principle of life that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there is another power within me that is at war within my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death. So you can already see what Paul is saying. I think we've all said that. Like, I want to do good. I'm trying to be good, but it's so hard. I I do good, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. And all of a sudden, I mess up. And I hate what I do. I want to do good, but I don't. I hate what I do. And then we go through this thing called regret. I shouldn't have done that. It's like right after we do what we know what we shouldn't do, we regret it. Because it's like the Spirit of God starts speaking to us and saying, that's not you anymore. That's your old life. And so Paul says, 
Who will save me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. So you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law. But because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. Thanks be to God that the answer is in Jesus Christ. That we're constantly walking into our old life when we follow our flesh. When we want to do what the flesh wants, we, we pretty much walk into. It's like we climb into our old self. Now, I don't think we want to climb into an old self. I think we want to climb into a new self. That we want to get into that new person that God is making us to be. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. All those who are in Christ are a new creation. So we're a new creation. Did you catch that word, creation? Only God can create something out of nothing. And only God can create something out of what we were as nothing. We're nothing without Christ. Everything else is foolish. I count everything as garbage, as Paul the Apostle would say, compared to the infinite knowledge of knowing Jesus Christ. And like there's a change that happens. But we battle with that all the time. That's why when we attend church weekly, we gotta, we're learning. We're learning. We're learning about the old life and how to put that aside. But we're also learning about this new life and how we are to live. Before Heidi and I were married, we, we both lived differently. You know, I lived in my home and a single parent on welfare, four children. Heidi's home, two parents working. They had their home. And so they had their chores. They had things to do. Well, Heidi was growing up with like her own set of blueprints, if, as it were. Like she had a certain way of living. Well, I was growing up with a certain set of blueprints. And so I was living a certain way. And so when you're single, you have all these habits. You, you learn all these things on your own. You're good with that. You can be a slob on your own and you're fine. No one bothers you. If you live in your own home and you just, you can make it a mess, no one cares. Except if your mom comes over or someone comes over. And Heidi's living in this home where things were different. And so she's living a single life. Now you bring the two together where I, I really, I didn't really have chores. I just, whenever my mom needed help, she would say help. Well, Heidi had chores. And my room was messy. I would make my bed, but however I made my bed was the way I made my bed. Like when I got up, I just made my blanket, I just threw it over, and that was done. Heidi had to tuck in her uh, sheets, like they had a sheet, they had a, or was it a, a bed covering? I don't know what you call that. You put it over the, what is that called? Yeah, mattress cover. It's a mattress cover. I think sheet. Is that what it is? Okay, a sheet. Okay, the one with the, the one you can't fold. That one with the elastics on the corner. Okay, you know what I mean. So she, she covers it with that, and then they put a sheet, and then they have a blanket. We only had one blanket. So our bed was the actual bed. There was no sheet. So we had a blanket. Now, don't feel sorry for me. It's, I, I've grown since then. We have sheets now at my home. But that's how we grew up. We didn't think anything wrong. I thought that's the best thing. I don't have to make a bed. I just, blanket, done. <laughs> so Heidi grew up that way. Now we, we get married and we live together. 
How I make the bed? Blanket. Done. That's it. Heidi's like, what are you doing? You're supposed to tuck this. You got to do that. I'm like, why are there so many sheets? Is this too much sheets? How many pillows do you need? You need like eight pillows. I just need one. That's it. She grew up differently. Then when it came to washing dishes, we, three days later, would wash our dishes. Heidi, they would wash their dishes after every single meal. So we lived together, and I need to wash dishes. I'm like, why? There's only like four in the sink. Wait for it to pile up. You do them all one time. She goes, no, 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 no. That's not how it's done. And I said, no, you soak them for a couple days, and then you, you just wipe it off after. You don't have to scrub. She goes, no. We wa-. So they would wash and wipe and, and, and scrub, even the bathroom. Like, I don't even remember cleaning our tub. I, because my philosophy was, as we grew up, was when you're taking a bath, you're cleaning the tub. I mean, soap is going down with it, so it's all clean. I just thought we painted the bathroom different colors. It just changed. And then I grew up with high, or, or started to, when we got married, they cleaned it all the time. Constantly cleaning. So I grew up in a household that we just cleaned when we needed to. Heidi grew up in a Portuguese home. So they cleaned everything. And that's a good thing. The Portuguese, hey, they keep things clean. They clean, clean things. <laughs> so now we get married I have a set way of living, and so does Heidi. You put those two together, what do you have? Trouble. You, you're cracking heads all the time. You don't understand each other. It's like, why is this not working? Well, now you're living with someone else. And that's what happens when you receive Jesus. You're now living with someone else. The Spirit of God is living in us. So we need to come to church weekly so that we can learn as well as unlearn the old. We learn the new now. What is it like living with Jesus? What, what am I supposed to be doing now? How is my life different? See, when we attend church weekly, we're beginning to learn more and more how we're supposed to be with Jesus. We were just eating at a restaurant, and uh, we were just thinking of doing some things uh, for something on Sunday morning coming up in a couple of weeks. So we're talking to the business owner, and one of the things they said is they're amazed at how many Christians come to their establishment and behave the way they do. I said, what do you mean? They said, yeah. Like, they, they come here, and the way they treat our waiters and waitresses is just unbelievable. I said, wait, good or bad? And they said, bad. I said, no way. And he says, yes. And they don't know. We know that they go to church. And I said, are you serious? You're telling me that people who attend church treat them bad. The waiters and waitresses. They go, yeah. Any from our church? They said, no, 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 no. I don't see anyone. I said, okay, good. Well, not good, but. And as we continue to talk, what I learned is, even as believers, we still have a lot of junk to work through. Even as believers. So when you go to a restaurant, remember, you know Jesus now. Yeah, but what if I got, get bad service? Remember, Jesus does everything to teach us something. He does everything with a purpose. Yeah, but that person treated me bad. They, the, the service is horrible. You know, I'm not ever coming back over here again. And you are entitled to do whatever you want to do. However, as a believer, I no longer have the right to behave like I used to. I no longer do. 
I gave up my rights. Well, what if I slip up? Then begin to change. Begin to repent. Don't just say, well, that's just the way I am, so you're just going to have to deal with it. And we do. We love each other. We, we do our very best. We love each other, and we want to help each other grow in the Lord. But don't just settle for that. Don't settle for the old man, the old woman. Don't settle for that. Say, Lord, what else are you doing in my life? Well, I'm going to cut this on. I'm carving this. I'm chipping this off. Okay, what are you doing in my life? And the only way we really change is when we're in the environment that we need to change. If the Lord is working on our anger, guess what's going to have to happen? We're going to have to get angry. We're going to have to be in that environment. We're going to have to be in the situation that says, I'm going to get angry. I'm going to lose it right now. And when we're in that situation, the new man comes up, the new woman comes up and says, wait, I remember how I used to be. And I'm not like that anymore. I'm different because of what Jesus is doing to me. And you watch. When you make that change right there on the spot, everything else changes in you. It's like your, your flesh goes, no, I'm dying. And your spirit is like, yeah, you're dying. I'm alive now. Because it's always a war that's going on. And so when we attend church regularly, you, you'll hear this often, that People will say, that's just exactly what I needed to hear. It's exactly what I needed to hear. Or we'll say, how did they know? How did they know? Or people will email and say, you know what you said on Sunday morning? It was the exact thing I needed to hear in my walk with Christ, in my marriage, in my workplace. That's the exact thing. This is exactly what I'm going through. And here's why. And we'll wrap it up. We're going to call the worship team out in, in just a bit. Here's why. The devil cannot read your thoughts. He cannot. Nor can the devil read my mind. But Jesus can. Now, because the devil cannot read your thoughts and my thoughts, he has to think of another way. And remember, the Bible says that he is the most craftiest. He is the father of lies. So because the devil cannot read our thoughts, and because he's crafty, here's what he does. When I'm studying, or when the pastor is studying, while we're studying, he's reading our notes. He's just reading, and he's just waiting to see, okay, what are you going to be, oh, you're going to be talking about this? Okay, okay. And then he'll go by you. He'll, he'll, come, he'll come around. And if he knows that you needed to hear something that is on the notes, then the devil will give you every excuse not to come to that service. He will give you every excuse. Your car will die out. Gas will run out. Children will go crazy. Husband will say no need. Wife will say no need. San Francisco 49ers are playing. Seahawks are playing. Broncos are playing. Detroit Lions are winning the game. Whatever it is, that's just being prophetic because that's my team. The Giants might be winning. Whatever the case is. You're going to hear it. It's going to come up. Oh, I'm hungry. Let's go breakfast. Let's go next service. Let's go next service. And the devil will give you the best excuses. He will even say, just sleep. You can catch it online. Just sleep in. Just, in fact, he'll, he'll lull you to sleep. And you'll just, you kind of just say, just nine, 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 nine. And you'll feel it. You'll just roll over and you'll be like, oh, this this position is even better. 
Oh, turn the pillow over. Oh, the cool side. Oh, this is so good. And then you feel like falling back asleep. And then it's at that moment they say, no way. No. Hey, I know, what, I know what is going on. I know what is going on. Just pop out and say, I know what is going on. The devil. I know. The devil is trying to keep me. Now your family members might get freaked out. But maybe just say it in your heart, not out loud. Just say, okay, I know. <laughs> you almost got me. You almost got me, little devil. You almost got me, but the spirit of the living God is in me. So I am going to church. And you come to church. Oh, get ready first. And then you come to church. Don't just show up in your PJs and be like, I, I made it. you be like, okay, get some clothes. You show up. Why? Because God has something for you and I. Always. Let me read Hebrews 10, 23. And then we'll pray together. Hebrews 10, 23 through 25. It says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. Let us hold fast. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. Not forsaking our own assembling together as is the habit of some. But encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. See, the trend and the statistics show this. That Attendance in churches are declining, but that's not supposed to be so. The Bible tells us we should be gathering together and encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. In other words, the closer Jesus is to coming back, the more we should be gathering together weekly, not forsaking assembling together as some are in the habit of doing. Some will, but not us because we're different and different matters in the world we live in today. That when we come together, something powerful happens to the body of Christ. I think we can take on that challenge. I think for all of us, it's just what we want to do for the Lord. It's just our heart to the Lord to say, thank you. I, I want to be a part of what you're doing. Would you pray with me? Would you just bow your heads for a moment? Lord, our prayer tonight is, is, is together as the body of Christ. That yes, we, we've received you as Lord and Savior. And we attend church weekly. Not as some religious duty, but we, we do it because we're part of the body of Christ. We bring people to come to know you. And we learn together. We learn as the body of Christ. Because we need to learn as well as unlearn some things. And so, Lord, our prayer tonight is to thank you. Thank you for the body of Christ. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for bringing us together. May we not forsake assembling together. All of us put together make up the body of Christ and you are the head of it. We all need you, Lord. We all stand level at the foot of the cross. No one better than the other. We're just simply people who want to know you more. And we can do so by attending weekly and getting to know you as Lord and Savior even more. And if there are people that are here tonight, Lord, and they're visiting May they attend their church. Or if they have a home church and they're visiting, may they attend their home church weekly. 
and be a part of the body of Christ there because in the end, it's not going to matter what church we go to. What matters is, are we reaching the lost for you? Are we bringing hope to a world that needs it? And I pray for all of us, Lord. Strengthen us tonight. Strengthen our marriages, our families, our relationships. We trust you in what you're doing. It's not going to happen our way. It'll happen your way. And for that, we are grateful. For you are exalted above all. Thank you for making us who we are. And in doing so, you're, con you're continually molding us and shaping us into your image. So have your way in us, Lord. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. We all said amen, 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 amen. So don't forget, yeah, can we just thank our Lord again? Thank you, Jesus. I just want to say I appreciate everything that you guys are doing for the Lord. You serve him, you, you give, you contribute, you love people, and you love those that are coming to know Jesus as Lord and Savior, and more people are coming to know him. So thank you for doing that.